Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Ads and Dunks podcast, exclusively brought to you by the Oz American Aces. We are your hosts, obviously, Josh here. We flipped it over again. Adzy joins me on the line. How are you, mate? I'm going well, mate. So I'm liking this uh, little change-up with the introduction. You do one week, I do the other week. I think it's a nice little change-up. It is. It's good. It's uh, it's nice. It's actually our eighth episode, this one. We're getting along, aren't we? It's going yeah, pretty it feels, well. It feels so like it's far. gone quick, exactly like the season. The season's, uh, as I was driving in today, um, I seen that they were talking about the MVP of the month of April, and I was like, geez, April, we're already two months into the season. Far out. It goes so quick. It does. It does. But do we have plenty to talk about this week? There was uh, a lot of stuff happened throughout, obviously, the footy world, but overseas as well, the NBA playoffs and everything going on over there. and. NFL stuff too, so plenty to talk about and looking forward to it. Yeah, mate, can't wait. So I'll, um, I know for, for our fans out there that listened to our potty last week, I actually got the matchup wrong. Um, I thought, oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was LeBron versus KD in the next round when it was um, obviously LeBron versus uh, Steph Curry, but I actually didn't think it was going to be Steph. I thought the Kings were going to win. So for oh, those you who lost your bet, as well, didn't you? yep, yep, I lost that bet. So. I messaged Ruby today who I had the bet with um, and, uh, yeah, she's probably going to send through a TikTok that I have to complete that only she will see. <laughs> no one else is going to – no, Hang on. Maybe let, so, you've got to do a, so you've got to do a TikTok for her that uh, no one else is going to see. So maybe we're going to have to share it with our loyal supporters out there. Yeah, the, maybe we'll do that. Podcast. I, mean, I mean, I didn't um, – there was no ruling in terms of who gets to see and who doesn't, um, but uh, being the uh, – the team person that I am, I'll make sure everyone gets to see it and have a laugh at me because um, anything involving dancing or anything, I'm going to be terrible. I would love to see it. Can't wait to see that. <laughs> yeah, we've got a couple of funny dance videos out there. So, yeah, we'll, we'll pass on that. But um, as we do every week, we obviously start off with um, with the footy and, and obviously our games respectively. Um, we weren't actually able to watch each other this week, which was unfortunate. I um, mm. As soon as I finish my game, I always jump straight onto yours and, and check the result and see how you go. Um, Obviously, a really good win. I uh, I obviously gave you a bit of a heads up on on how they're going to go and you know how their mids go about it and um, you know that they're be- that they're better than where they are positioned on the ladder. Um, how did you firstly find the game and, and how did you feel out there? Yeah, I mean it was a it was a tough first quarter, mate. They came out and just wanted to handball the footy. It was like so fast. I think the highest, no joke, the highest GPS meters per minute in the first quarter was Huey McCluggage, one hundred and fifty two meters per minute. In that first quarter, well, and wee, that's of those that know GPS, 152 meters per minute is flying, like genuinely flying. So, like that was that was like what the one of the GPS readings, but a lot of the averages were really high for that quarter. So they just wanted to take the game on, and I thought, you know, we really reacted well to that and put the pressure on them and forced them into that handball chain, and then was able to um, we were able to turn the ball over and and get moving forward and put a score on the scoreboard, but. We were really good inside the inside the source or at the source. Um, our contested ball, uh, like I touched on last week, was a focus for us going into it. I think they got us last year, or they got the boys last year. Obviously, I wasn't there, but at the contested footy stuff, so it was a big focus for us going in to to win that center clearance battle and the clearance battle around the ground as well. So it was nice to be able to get on top in that area, and then obviously, like I said, we uh, we went forward and our boys, you know, kicked some goals for us, which was nice and. Uh, managed to get the win, but yeah, it was like you touched on last week. They're they're a team that if you if you're off that slight little bit, that they will take a mile. And um, you know, a lot of their midfielders and even their high defenders and stuff, they're pretty creative with the footy and ball in hand. And uh, yeah, they will uh, beat plenty of teams this year, that's for sure. But 
it was nice uh, to get that win and um, yeah, move on to the next one on Carlton on Friday night. But what about yourself, mate? You had the Hawks. I saw. I straight away checked my phone and I was like, I wonder how Adzi's going. I saw the scores <laughs> at halftime. It was a, it was a bit of a different one. I was, I was a bit surprised to be honest. Yeah, um, we obviously well, it's similar to to the Frio game in in, in terms of um, I feel like they're better than where they are positioned on the ladder. I, I well and truly mm. think that of Hawthorne. Um, obviously, as we do, we debrief quite a bit over the phone. Um, no, within the twenty four hours of playing, I was telling you how impressed I was by, you know, just the way that they move the footy, how aggressive they are. Um, they really take you on with their hands, but not just that. They try and use their legs away from congestion, and you know, their midfield. Ex- Impressed me enormously. Um, Will Day, you know, has the length and the size and takes you on and he has the ability to take you on. He's going to be a really good player for a very long time. Um, John Newcomb is a big bull in there. Um, Connor Nash, who obviously had a matchup with Bonte in Bonte's 200th. James Warple, these guys, um, you know, have have bright futures. I mean, James Warple's the best of Ferris winner anyway, so he, he's already had a pretty good career so far. But they really took it up, up to us in that first half. I felt like, um, you know, not that, not that we we took them lightly, but we were just off our game a little bit. I feel like we weren't defending as well as we we had been. Um, it wasn't overly high scoring in that first half, but um, I know in the second half we only kept them to I think thirty points or whatever it may have been. So very pleased with that, and we were able to kick away and eventually win by about thirty. But um, I was just extremely impressed. Um, you know, on the flip side, felt like um, you know historically we've been in those positions, and you know even when you know we were playing together the last couple of years, we've been in those positions where we've allowed teams to have a lead at halftime and then run away with it, you know, ultimately. And um, the fact that we were able to compose ourselves a bit in that second half and, yeah, like really, um, you know, go back to the basics and, and winning contested ball, even in the clearances. We were getting smashed in clearances and, and Hawthorne, are, I think they're the best clearance team in the competition and definitely the best centre-bounce clearance team. So, um, you know, we really have to try and take it up to them in that regard. And, um, you yeah, know, I felt like once we did that, um, we're able to get on top of the ground. And, and as you can imagine, when you force, you know, and Hawthorne are an extremely young team, when you force a young team into a bit of pressure, um, more more often than not, you're going to get the ball back in, in really good positions to be able to score. And I felt like we did that a little bit in that second half as well. But um, yeah, mate, I was extremely impressed by the way they go about it. There's, you know, you know, they were very unlucky, unlucky not to have won at least one of their last two games against either Adelaide or the Giants, who we've seen are, are two really quality teams as well. So um, very pleased we were able to get away, um, you know, get away with the win, but win the way we did in the end. Was very happy with that. So, really looking forward to to the contest this week against the Giants. So, yeah, it's good. It's going to be a, a big week. Obviously, we've talked about the Giants rivalry over the years, but it's sort of gone away. But I saw something today. Someone actually came out and said, I think it was the coach Adam Kingsley um, came out and said it's going to be a fierce contest, and he's building the boys up to to have a massive crack at you this week. So it's going to be good against your old old, old mob. Yeah, you forget I play there sometimes, played there. But, um, yeah, no, you're right. From when I first got here, obviously, to the footy club, it was um, you know built up enormously in that first year and when I was here. And um, I'm excited about it because I, f- I feel like, um, you know, at both times when we've met the teams, we've gone through different stages of the season. So I feel like now we're both teams are building, you know, a lot of momentum. The Giants are one of the informed teams there playing extremely exciting footy. Um, you know, you talk about running in waves and really taking the game on. They do that as well as anybody and they'll do it until they can get someone out. Um, and they don't shirt contest either. They're extremely tough inside and and they're going to be a real challenge. And, and in Canberra as well, they play really good in Canberra. Um, 
Mm. So I am looking forward to the game. But um, I did want to uh, keep touching on your game a little bit because we will preview our games, um, you know, a bit later on. But uh, a couple of things. First, first, we'll talk about your game. I know you'll be humble as always, but I know you polled some coaches' votes, which is uh, really good. So well done. Yeah. But um, no goals still. Still, still haven't kicked the goal. Did you have a shot this nah, week? No, no. Uh, nah. To be honest, you know what? I feel like the uh, the boys, they just see me as the midfielder and they when I'm in the forward line, just don't kick it to me. So I've had a, I've had a word to a few of them this week. So uh, <laughs> hopefully when you get on the scoreboard, I've kicked a couple of goals at Marble Stadium. So hopefully this week I can sneak down there. But yeah, mate, I mean, we've got the players up there to kick the goals. So mm. it's not forced upon me. Um, yeah, which... It hasn't really been forced upon me in the past. I've just been down there probably a little bit more than what I have been this year. So, yeah, learning the craft still a little bit to within the team and then obviously finding a balance and still building that chemistry. So hopefully, uh, yeah, they can, they can find me inside 50 this week and I can get a, get a goal on the scoreboard. Yeah, How many have you crossed. kicked this year? Um, I only kicked three. <laughs> I haven't kicked this time three. last year. I think I'd kicked might, – might have kicked six by this stage last year. Um, and yeah, that was a big focus for me last year. So it is a focus this year as well. I want to be able to hit the scoreboard. So I need up my game as well. But I, yeah. every time I, you know, I watch your game or go and check <laughs> the stats and the score, I look straight away, see if you kick the goal. You know what? I'll go straight to the goals column, hoping that it loads <laughs> as a goal. But um, still not this week. But speaking of goals, probably the reason why you're not kicking goals is because your, your teammate, Will Ascroft, is too busy kicking the Jackie Chan goal of the year. <laughs> what about that yeah. one? Mate, I was first on the scene there. I was right. I was literally right there. And I was, as soon as he did it, I was sort of like, oh, that could be like out on the full. And then I turned around, I saw the goals were there. And, mate, it was just the way that the ball span. I was like, or spun, whatever you say. Um, I was like, wow, that's going through. And then all of a sudden just celebrated. And it's just, it was an unbelievable thing. Like Dale Morris, I was talking to Dale Morris today, and he was like, that kind of goal's never been kicked before. And yesterday, I think he went to his son's like Auskick or local footy club or whatever it was. And he said, all the young kids were trying to do that kick right. from the same spot that Ashy did it. Because it's never well, been done before. No, so, like, no. what do you like? It's just, it's something, it's pretty cool. Well, the only time it's ever been done, well, that I've seen attempted and done was Daniel Wells did it in the goal square. Did you remember seeing that one? Yeah, yeah, from yeah. From years yeah. ago. It might have been 2000 and four or five where he did in the goal square. So the degree – and that one goal of the year. So the degree yeah. of difficulty, he's done it from the boundary line, the same motion midair. I feel like no matter what, there's not going to be a goal that's kicked better than that. I mean, you you have to get the ball from full back and take 15 bounces a kick goal if you're beating that goal. Like, I don't think yeah. it's happening. I agree. I don't think anyone's going to beat that for goal of the year. What do you get for goal of the year these days? Is it a car? <laughs> I think it's a car, yep. Yep. Well, didn't um was it I think Charlie Cameron had another goal of the year nomination in the same game as well. Nah, last week. Last oh, week. Oh, okay. I feel like I just feel like it's just Brisbane players kicking goals of the year nominations every single week. Yeah. They're having a competition, mate, quietly. <laughs> nah. <laughs> well, well 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 so maybe maybe that's why you haven't kicked the goal yet. So um yeah, you can uh, you yeah. can blame uh Will Ashkoff's Jackie Chan celebration for that. <laughs> No, nah, no way. But speaking of goals, what about uh, – did you see the end to the – well, you probably didn't because I didn't see it either, but the end to the uh, Swans-Giants game? No, I didn't. No, you know what's funny? I actually, with about 10 minutes to go in the game, in our game, 
or was it Tim? Was it? No, no. It would have been. It was in our game at some point. It actually popped up on the screen, like on the big screen when I was on the bench with, with Big Chili, Big Timmy English, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, oh, look at the score, Giants won by a point. So <laughs> I knew, um, I knew the Giants had won, but in that manner, no, I didn't. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I saw. Like I've only seen clips. I didn't really watch that game much, but unbelievable last stoppage of you know that quarter and to kick a goal the way he did. Can't believe that he was left alone at stoppage. Pretty crazy. Well, well, if you watch the play, he was someone was on him. Um, one of the Sydney boys was on him, and then it kind of they got messed up a little bit, and then you know kind of ball tracked rather than watching Toby. But obviously, if you have your time mm. back, you're probably going to want to guard Toby Green, who's who I know in that last quarter by re-watching a bit of the highlights, he'd already had a couple goals. And I think building up to that um, stoppage itself, he was involved in the play. And, um, yeah, yeah what, a, what a player he is. I openly talk about, um, you know, how he's one of my favourite teammates I've ever played with. And he'd be one of, a, one of three to four players in the league that I'd choose to come and, and play on my footy side because I just love the way that he goes about and how passionate it is. So um, there's no surprise to me that uh, he does something like that. And, um you know that was a clutch goal in in the way that he kicked it. You know he he put that he put the ball in his boot as soon as he could, but he knew exactly how he wanted to kick it. Um, you know I, I know he loves his uh, I know he loves um, his soccer and and the way he celebrates. And I know that uh, he follows Mbappe, so he probably would have been really pumped about that uh, that goal. He would have celebrated <laughs> the exact same way. So um, yeah, no, I uh, kudos to Toby. We uh, hopefully we can stop him this week from doing things like that. I was gonna say he's one of those players that you. You probably love to play with, but hate playing against. And you've got him this week, and we had him a couple of weeks ago. So playing against the both of you guys over the first few rounds, I feel like it's going to be a great game in Canberra. So um, for all the Canberra footy supporters out there, make sure you get down and have a look because it'll be it's going to be a very impressive game of football. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think what um, you know something else that impressed me. With Toby and and not just Toby, but players that play similar roles to him had real big games this round. I mean, Toby, he had the ball twenty odd times and kicked four goals and had I think twelve score involvements, which is midfield like numbers, but able to hit the scoreboard. Jake Stringer also, I know they lost, but wow, what a game he put together! Did you see? Did you see Jake's game? Yeah, I did. I did. I watched a bit of that game. So he's played it's as a mid good. and kicked. Did he kick five or four? I don't have four. Four. He's kicked four or five, mate. He's had he's had twenty contested possessions. I think he had nine centre bounce clearances, and had mm. four goals. I mean, it was a it was a round of absolute, um, you know, absolute showcases by some of our best players. You know, we mentioned um, forwards as well. Tom Hawkins, he's thirty four years old, yeah. had a PB for goals, kicked eight on the weekend, and um, you know, his last three games, I think people were, you know. They were kind of off the back of the way Geelong played in the first two rounds. I just love how, how, how the experts like to write people and players off and not saying anyone ripped Tom Hawkins off, but, you know, people were challenging Geelong. Now the last three yeah. games or four games, Geelong have come out and, you know, right up there as, as the premiership favourites and, and Hawkins yep. come out and kick eight. Win or lose, it's like, oh, if you lose, you're not making finals. If you win, you're going to be, you know, playing finals. No, this can't believe that people continue to sort of talk about it like that, to be honest. It's just a, it's such a long season. Like anything can happen in the space of what Geelong have won their last four. Is it? Mm-hmm. Is that what they've won? I think it's three or four. And now yeah, they're, they're on a run. Yeah. Like they're back in contention. So, well, they're a scary yeah, prospect to come against. 
Yeah, and you mm-hmm. and you look at some of their players that they have. I mean, minus obviously Joel Selwood, who's such a champion for them. They essentially have the same team as last year, and you know you don't just forget how to play, or you don't forget how to win. And they've clearly mm-hmm. shown it the last four weeks, which, as I said, it's a scary proposition for um, opposition teams coming up against them. Mm. Speaking of goals, did you see Charlie Kerno over in Perth on Saturday night? Oh. Did you see that? Yeah, so I didn't know he'd kick nine up until I – so I got home from the game and um, from our game and I turned on the, the last two games and obviously they were obviously one-sided and I went on to the Carlton game and I seen they were zooming on on Charlie and I was like, what's going on here? And then went straight to the stats, he'd kick nine goals three and had 20 and whatever <laughs> it was. And It's such a – it's such a uh, – like what I think about is I heard it might have been Ben Dixon maybe this year mentioned um, 100 goals from a forward. And, you know, I kind of had my doubts just because of the way the game's getting played nowadays. You don't really see, you know, players kick like a real big bag of goals. Now mm. that I've seen Jezza play the way that he's played, and I'm not sure if he, he's probably not winning the Coleman off the back of, of Charlie's nine goals, but – it's given me more confidence that there's going to be 100 goals kicked here. Do you reckon? Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like there's going to be potentially a couple of blokes that might get up there, especially if the game keeps going the way that it is. Like it's a, mm. it's a very fast game these days and you can get your key forwards in good positions yep. to kick goals, I feel. Yep. like it's, And then your smaller guys probably the ones getting out the back a little bit more, but yep. you can get one-on-one contests a lot easier if you're playing them deep and – Kerno did that on on Saturday night and yeah, it was I just like you know what I thought about? I thought about when we were playing against North and we were trying to get Brucey his tenth. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, yes. And yes, we were just yes. trying to kick it to him as much as possible. Yeah. And then he just clunked one and then we we're all yeah. like waiting for him to kick it and yeah. celebrate. Well, it's like it happened it happened the end of the Carlton game. That's what I mean. I was watching the last five minutes and they were seriously trying to get it to him. Harry Mackay took a mark, I think, forty meters out with a minute to go and tried to turn around and lace. Yeah. Um, Charlie Kerno out. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, I think there's every chance that we could have a couple um, players kick 100 goals because the the this day and age, you know, it's 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 adjusted a little bit with um, obviously how forwards play and positioning. But you you mentioned you know we can get forwards in the right spot. You can actually get your deep forward um, being the key forward. The deep is quite often and quite close to goal in the way that we match up. I mean, there's obviously a lot more running, but. Um, you know, I, I, you know, went back and watched Charlie Kerno's highlights, and qu- a lot of his goals were, you know, inside fifty and being the last guy there was getting the ball. So it's exciting. I, um, you know, I remember in two thousand and eight because I was a, a massive Carlton fan, enormous Carlton fan, and going into that last game, um, Buddy Franklin needed, I think, one goal maybe, and 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 Fev Fev needed to kick eight, I think it was, and um, we hadn't seen you know a hundred goals from two players in a long time, and I remember. But he kicked his with 10 minutes into the first quarter and Fev hadn't kicked one, I don't think, up until halftime. He might have kicked one. And then in the third quarter, he just went and kicked like six goals. And so then he needed, yeah, he needed like two goals in the last quarter. Hawthorne were winning. That was the year they won the flag. Hawthorne were winning yeah. by, I don't know, 70 or 80. And they decide to flood the back line so they don't let Fev kick 100. Do you remember that? <laughs> no, I don't remember that. Mate, so he'd kicked his 99th probably with, oh, would have been, I'm going to say, 10 minutes to go in the game and legit Hawthorne were up by, would have been 70 or 60 or 70 points. Game was over. But Hawthorne didn't want him to kick 100, so they flooded the back line and didn't let him didn't let him kick another goal. <laughs> yeah, wow. it's, mate, it was wild scenes. Could you imagine if, 
You know, imagine if it was Jezza and, uh, and Charlie Kerno playing against each other in the last game and that was the same scenario. It'd be pretty funny. The whole game's gone back to what it used to be, it, like starting to trend towards that way. Like mm. we just talked about key forwards, like back to the days where, you know, Tony Lockett would just sit outside the goal square and lead up and kick goals. Like that's potentially what the game's going to go back to if it keeps transforming the way that it is. Yeah, well, it's an exciting game. I, there's, I've got an interesting question to ask you. Um, in regards to the forwards, um, this is a, mm. a would you rather. So uh, right now you've got to choose, would you rather a forward line with Jezza Cameron or, and Toby Green? So they're together. Yep. Uh, or Charlie Kerno and Harry Mackay, who would you rather? If I was starting a new team up in uh, in Tasmania, as oh. they've announced that there's going to be a new team. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Let's go that way. New team All in right. Tasmania and you've got to pick two forwards out of those obviously pairs. Who would you choose? Uh, who I'm probably going to choose the key position players. Really? Really? Yeah. Why? Tell me why. Because, well, like we were just touching on, I feel like the game now is you need key position players to take contested marks and kick goals. Whereas I feel, you know, Jezza and Toby Green, yes, they're freaks, like stars of the game, stars going to be probably a couple of the greatest players of all time. They're just that smaller type that you can – I feel like you can get that from smaller players that aren't as – don't have the name. Do you know what I mean? Like the yeah, – I know what you mean. I mean, do I don't agree with saying? you. I do, I do know what you're saying, but I don't agree with you. I'd be on Jezza and Toby's yeah. side. So you're the more flary, like flashy type of player, whereas <laughs> I'm the more mainstay, you know. It makes sense. It does make sense, I guess, what, which way we've sort of gone there. Well, I was, I've obviously been teammates of Jezza and Toby, so there's one of the reasons why I'd have them. But secondly, I think they're two of the best match winners in the game. And I'm not discrediting Kerno and Mackay. Obviously, they are in their own right, but I think Jezza and Toby are in the couple handfuls that can win you a game off their own boots. So it's an interesting one. But you mentioned Tassie, the 19th team. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Because uh, I played for the first time in Tassie uh, in 2021 in that final series. Um, you've obviously played there yep. a few times and you've seen how passionate uh, the Tassie fans are. What's your thoughts? No, I, I love it. I think it's awesome for football and I know a few Tasmanians and um, we've got some family friends. My old man actually played down there before he got drafted to Sydney. So it's a huge connection to us and, um, yeah, as I said, know a lot of people there and the footy connection is is massive to the AFL and the pathway. So I feel like it's a great option for um, you know, the AFL to go down that path because you've got to include we're trying to build the game and I feel like Tassie is going to build the game for sure. And it's a you know, it's sometimes pretty cold down there, but it's a it's not a bad place. We spent a few days down there when we were locked away in that uh, caravan park. Remember that in those lodges <laughs> during yeah, COVID during that year yep. of twenty twenty one. But some of the days there were actually really nice. So it was good. It was good. <laughs> I remember the some of our staff members were doing their training, running around the resort. Remember they were doing like 10K runs. Bally, Bally our physio, was doing his 10K runs around the resort, which is the same path every time. Um, but no, I, I agree with that. I know, um, obviously know some Tassie, Tassie ex-teammates and, and current – oh, do I have a teammate from Tassie? No, I don't. But I know one of my good mates, Howie, he's obviously from, from Tassie and, um, you know, there'd be a really Guardi's good representation from Tassie. of Tassie players. There you go. Guardy, Guardy's a Tassie boy who's a gun himself. So I um I agree with that. I feel like it'd be really cool for the AFL. I think if we were to bring in a Tassie side, um, we're gonna have to bring another team in because 
we're going to yeah. end up having to have to have a buy, two buys throughout the year, which I don't think we want. Um, if you were going to do a 20th team, where would you base it? I know this is yeah, a was- very – it's a tough question because I've just sprung it on you, but where would you have it? Well, thinking of it a little bit, just quickly, I feel like maybe Darwin or somewhere up north in WA, potentially. See, I, you and I are, uh, are agreeing on this one because I agree with you. I feel like it'd be, um, yeah, I feel like it'd be pretty cool. I feel like it'd be pretty cool playing in Darwin. I mean, it's it obviously stepping stones. You want to, um, you know, if the, if a Tassie side does come in, then obviously. Kudos to that. But, yeah, I think a uh, somewhere north, like you said. But the only thing with me is if you do like a like a WA and SA, Queensland, New South Wales, there's two teams in each state. So then it doesn't become, you know, how you build up the rivalry rounds and, you know, it ends up being three teams. So Three teams where? In um No, I'm saying, I'm saying if, if you were to bring a 20th team in, say you mentioned WA, then oh, yeah, yeah, it'll yeah. be three teams in WA. Do you know what I mean? So that's probably why yeah. the logical one for a 20th team would probably be, as you said, in Darwin or NT or in that area or another team in Victoria. I mean, the Victorians would love that, wouldn't they? Where would you, where would you do a team in Victoria? In Victoria? <laughs> Maybe Dandenong? Yeah, Dandenong? Maybe down in Yarram, mate, in the country. <laughs> what would you call them? The Yarram what? The Yarram Demons. <laughs> No, uh, well, that's, that's exciting. What about um, what about uh, before we move on and, and preview our own games? What about uh, the Maggies and uh, and just how how two weeks in a row and not just two weeks in a row, but obviously last year quite a bit. They've uh, come from what's looked like is going to be a uh, a loss to steal it right at the end. Unbelievable. Yeah, they've done it a number of times. I've got a question around the Magpies though for you because I feel like this is what I, I want to get your opinion first, but. Mm-hmm. Going into a last quarter against Collingwood, you're up by four goals. How do you feel? Like, do you feel the pressure that, oh, they, we all know that they're a good last quarter team. Like, they're going to come. Do you go, like, do you feel like you're going to go into your shell and are you just going to go into a defensive mode? Because I feel like Adelaide did that. I feel like they just went away from what they'd been doing in the first three quarters and all of a sudden went to kick down the line, you know, find a mark, build it up kick down the line to a contest and then Magpies just went up the other end and scored. Like, how would you – I want to understand, like, is it a thing that's actually happening around the competition with Collingwood? Yeah, I feel like – and I'll think back to the Essendon game as well. I feel like um, in that last quarter in particular, well, definitely in the last quarter, I think the pressure that Collingwood brought, uh, the mindset and the ability for Essendon to be able to withstand that pressure in the first three quarters – and then ultimately be able to use the ball well after that initial wave of pressure. Because you watch Collingwood when they're at their best and they do it better than anyone in the comp and they're the reason why they're the premiership favourites is mm. when they bring that wave of pressure, they're going to nail the tackle or they're going to somehow turn the ball over, which then gets them the ball back, which then ultimately they score. What Essendon and, and from what I've seen of the Adelaide game because uh, against Adelaide, I wasn't able to watch it all. When I was seeing Essendon get on top and Adelaide get on top, and you would know because you obviously have played against the Magpies and I think the only team to beat them, um, you would have noticed that once you break that first wave of pressure or be able to sustain it and keep, uh, keep your mind and keep your head and you know really, I guess, invite it but take it on and then be able to use the ball off the back of that, you kind of take away what they're building and that's their pressure and their uh, momentum of winning the ball back. 
So, yeah, it's a hard one because as soon as, you know, again, you watch the Essendon game, as soon as they kick that goal off the back of the pressure, you could sense that, yeah, there's a lift yeah. here. They've got, a, they've got them here. So as soon as Essendon got the ball, it was almost like they weren't able to withstand that pressure. So I understand what you're saying because I've got no doubt the mindset of the Bombers boys and the Adelaide boys would have been, we've got to be able to break this pressure, but it's such a hard thing to do in real time. I mean, you're one of you're probably a better person to answer that because, you know, if, you know, from that game you guys played against them, BT was copping that much hate after the game because he kept saying Collingwood are going to come, Collingwood are going to come because they come all the time. I mean, what was your mindset knowing that Collingwood is still in this game regardless of what the score is? Yeah, well, I can't remember what we're up by exactly, but I just felt like we were like, we know they're a strong finishing team, but we are not going to go away from what we're doing well. So, yeah, that's what I think the big thing is to take out of it is you've just got to keep playing your way. Like, mm. yes, they're going to come, but you can't let that get get underneath your skin and go into your shell and then all of a sudden be doing something or playing into their hands. Do you know what I mean? So I feel mm. like it's just a it's an important um, mindset to have when coming up against them because, geez, they've done it a number of times now and they're just so good at it. So, yeah, there's a little tip for you, mate, when you come up against the Pies. Yeah, mate. Uh, I, I, uh, I must admit, I do love – I talk about I love watching good footy and the way teams go about it. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Hawthorne. I mean, I, the, in the last recent weeks, I've enjoyed watching them play because the way they move the footy and they're aggressive. It's the same as Collingwood. I mean – as you said, you just know they're never out of the contest. But the way they play is just an exciting brand to watch. And you know, when they bring the pressure and win the ball back, and you see guys like guys like McCreary tackle. You know, he clearly looks like he's in the role just to tackle blokes and win the ball back. I mean, you get such a lift off watching that. So, oh yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to play him in. I think another twelve weeks time because um, hopefully, hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully we can withstand it and um, come away with the win. But um, yeah, they're they're firing at the moment. And I think one more thing about the Collingwood game we mentioned um, Nick Dacos every week. I think it was oh, yeah. the I think it was the lowest disposal game he's had all year, and I think he had twenty eight or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> but I wasn't able to watch the game fully. But um, you know, I know you watched a bit of it. Uh, do you feel like it's something yeah. that teams need to do? Is is have someone on him? Try and nullify him? Oh, I don't know if I talked about it last week, but obviously it worked a little bit in this game uh, with, I think, Keyes, Ben Keyes went to him a little bit around the source and when he went inside. So, yeah, it's a tough one because, I mean, the way that he plays and the way they use him, he's actually hard to tag. So, like, mm. he just runs everywhere. Like, he's got a good tank. So, he's one of those players that's genuinely hard to tag because you can't just follow him around. You, you'll yeah. pull out holes in your defense um, things will crack open and they'll just cut you up another way. So if you do tag him fully, like full on, I don't think the tag was full on in this game from what I saw. I felt like it was maybe at the source and then away a little bit, but then Keezy tried to get dangerous moving forward. He probably should have kicked a few goals. He was stiff a few times not to get on yeah. the end of a few, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it it probably worked a little bit, got under Dacos' skin. Um, and, yeah, I mean, having that, number of disposals is is rare for him so uh <laughs> potentially it's a it's a thing that everyone looks at but i know that when he played against us we didn't you know we didn't put too much focus into him individually it was more a collective thing yeah i think uh well yeah i think teams will probably look at um more more his game compared to the other games where he's had 40 and 2 and 38 and 2 and whatnot and they'll probably go oh yeah we'll probably mm. try and sit somewhere i mean they play swans this week so 
Um, Callum Mills, I yeah. think historically had players, you know, had had shut down roles. So it'd be interesting to see if that happens. But it'll be a good game against the Swans. That will be good. Yeah, well, he's uh he's one of the premier two way players in the competition, and um, it'd be interesting to see if they do. You reckon they'll oh. send him to him? Oh well, I was just thinking, it just came to mind was when uh we played Sydney up in Sydney, and they went at JJ really hard off the half back oh, yes. line. Remember that? And Sydney are renowned for going hard at players. Potentially, they look to do that to Dacos. Imagine, imagine that. That'd be pretty. That'd actually be good to watch. But I feel like I feel like Dakes plays better when he's when I don't know when teams try and because it's not like in the Essendon game and and the other games where he's dominated. That if you watch it, players are still trying to get into him. It's almost like he, you know. Kind of absorbs it and just feeds off it. So yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Well, I reckon he does. Yep, because yesterday game, I definitely yeah. seen when he was starting half back. He had guys try and you know hit him off the ball and whatnot. So be interesting one. Mm. Uh, it's one mm. to watch for sure. It is one to watch. Did you watch the last quarter of the Collingwood Adelaide game? Uh no, I didn't. But I've seen highlights. Did you see uh, that free kick that wasn't paid to? Um, oh yeah, Murphy. What were your thoughts on that one? Oh, free kick. Come on. Come on, mate. What do you reckon? <laughs> I've seen I've seen stuff like your throw that was called a throw on the weekend. Oh, called yeah. for a free kick. <laughs> Versus, uh, you know what? I reckon they listen to our podcast, mate. They, they've stitched me up on the weekend. I, I had a uh, ground ball and I've literally <laughs> clenched my fist. If you go on the vision, you'll be able to see it. Hopefully, we can get Bredo to, to do it. Hey, he will. He's um, a star. Mate, clench fist, handball the ball up to Charlie Cameron, throw. Because of you. Because of you, your comments last week were saying that you didn't throw the ball. I feel like I feel like there was a couple stoppages there where I was falling to ground and I handballed. And I legit handballed it. I mean, I'm I, I never go out there with the intent to throw the footy. So I've handballed it and I thought it was going to be called cool to throw, but it didn't. So thank God. But when when you sent that through, I laughed. I feel like <laughs> they must have listened. But um, to answer your question with Nath Murphy, I feel like it was definitely a free kick. Definitely. 100%. Yeah. 100% yeah. a free I kick. I mean, it, in the heat of the moment, we all understand that the umpiring roles would be very hard to do. Like there's so many things mm. you got to look out for. And um, hats off to them because the majority of the time they do a good job. It's just that, yeah, that one was probably a bit of a uh, – yeah bit of a mistake and I think they did own up to it to be honest um, yeah. through the media sources at the AFL so yeah it's just one that I was I just wanted to ask you because it was pretty uh, controversial mm, not nah, free kick but uh, we'll quickly preview our games so we haven't really spoken too much about it um, a little preview of obviously your game you guys are playing big blockbuster uh, Friday nights which means uh, uh, against Carlton which means you'll be in Melbourne which is exciting because um might be able to come see you before I head off to Canberra, um, how you feeling? How you feeling about the game, Carlton? Obviously, off the back of a uh, really good performance against the Eagles and Charlie Kerno firing, and their mids are really getting on top mm. of the opposition mids. So it's going to be a good battle. Yeah, it will be. It's going to be a, a great battle, Marvel, on Friday night. I feel like it's going to be a pretty full house, which would be cool. Um, um, played down there, like the doggies game was the last one against you guys that uh, was pretty packed as well. So looking forward to getting down to to Melbourne, and uh, hopefully it's not too cold, but. Uh, yeah, they've been in great form, obviously, yeah, the last few weeks. or Last week, especially against West Coast, they were dominant, and we watched a bit of them today at the club. And uh, 
yeah, it's going to be a tough one for us. We've got to try and stop, you know, Paddy Cripps is their number one inside mid and he distributes the ball out to other players on the outside. So we're going to have to try and, you know, work our way through that a little bit. But then also, we, as we've talked about earlier in the potty, was um, their two key pillars up forward in Mackay and, and Kerno obviously lean on each other a lot. So we're going to have to be good all over the ground and obviously kick a score that's going to be, um, you know, challenging on the scoreboard. So looking forward to the challenge. It's going to be a it's going to be a good test for us because we've, you know, strung a few wins together now and um, starting to get some consistency and coming up against the Blues in Melbourne at their home deck is going to be a, a great challenge for us and looking really looking forward to it. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a good, good contest. I, um, As you said, you haven't played at Marvel since our game, so no doubt um, you guys will obviously want to get on top of them there. I feel it's going to be a really good crowd for you, so it's, um, mm. it's exciting. I feel like uh, the midfield battle is one for me that I'm intrigued to see because, as I mentioned, I think even um, when I think Saints beat Carlton – last week, so not this previous week, Carlton's midfield was still really impressive. You mentioned Paddy Cripps, but obviously they've got um, Adam Chera through there and obviously Sammy Walsh has come back. So they've got some um, – yeah, and their high halfbacks get involved as well. So it's going to be a really good contest, I'm, one I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, and what about you, mate? We obviously talked about earlier going down to Canberra or up to Canberra from your from your area. Yeah, well, you mentioned cold. I feel like it's going to be colder there. For I feel like um, – Oh, let me check. Um, around, around this time of year, it's extremely cold. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's under, definitely under 10 degrees, probably who knows. But no, I am really looking forward to it. I feel like, as I said earlier, um, both teams are, are meeting. As I can see you, how cold is it going to be? <laughs> it's it's a low of zero and a high of 16 on Saturday. So wow. I feel like it, at 7 o'clock, you play at 7 o'clock now? It'll be yeah, it'll be pretty cold. It'll be like just like a couple years 10. ago when it snowed. Do you remember when the Giants? I think might have played Hawthorne maybe, and Hawks. it snowed. Yeah. Yep. Um. Oh well, if it does, how exciting! But um, no, I, I am looking sleep, forward mate. to it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I feel like it's going to be a good contest. As I said, both teams are, um, you know, we're, we're both meeting at a point in our season where, we, where we've built some momentum. So. It's going to be a good contest. It'll be a, a good battle through the midfield, as we've touched on. But um, you know their forwards are going really well. Jesse Hogan's playing some good footy. Harry Harry Himmelberg's kind of floating everywhere, playing some really good footy. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a good to- good contest. One um, you know that I feel like if we can play the way we did in that second half, in particular against Hawthorne, um, you know, really give ourselves a good chance to to hopefully win the game. And um, you know that'll be. You know, four really good weeks in the row if we could. You know, I know we obviously lost the Port Adelaide game, but um, we played some good footy in that. So, um, yeah, hopefully uh, we can go down there or up there and, um, you know, take it up to him in, in what will be a, a uh, you know, tough contest. But, um, yeah, one I'm looking forward to. You know, as you, as you said, we're probably going to um, build the build the match up a little bit as well. And, um, you know, you, you touched on the history that the Giants and the Bulldogs have. So, it's, uh, yeah, one that I am really looking forward to. I think it's going to be a great contest. I feel like it's uh, it's going to be one in the midfield and you boys will, my tip, I reckon you boys will get it done. So looking forward to it, mate. Hope so. Is there any is there any other footy or any other matchups, anything you're excited about this week before we move on from our footy talk? I feel like the Port Adelaide-Essendon game over in Adelaide is going to be pretty good this week. And like we talked about, the Collingwood-Sydney game, and the MCG on Sunday Arvo will be a one to watch. I feel like Sydney could go after Nick Dacos. Like seriously, go after him. 
Well, as you said, they've historically done it. But um, I I yeah. genuinely believe Dakes uh, likes that. I feel like he feeds off it. So um, it's going to be an interesting game. We'll it's, a, it's a good game. And obviously last year's preliminary finalist, which was one of the great games of the season. So that's probably the yes. you know the game of the round outside of obviously our two games that we take a keen interest in. But yeah, no doubt it'll be a good round of footy. But moving on to what we obviously love and talk about weekly, NBA playoffs. Obviously, the Lakers are playing Steph Curry. They're not playing KD or whatever I said last week. They um, could. They could. The next oh, round. Oh, well, they, they could, could eventually, but I mean in the second round. Maybe you were just uh, – maybe maybe you're seeing the future a little bit. Maybe. But, no, I'm usually good with <laughs> seedings. Obviously, I know second and third plays seven, uh, sixth and seventh. First and fourth plays fifth and eighth. So the winners, they anyway, I thought – I just got it wrong. But um, firstly – Steph and, and the Golden State Warriors, how good, how like unbelievable did they play to get back into the series to then beat Sacramento in Sacramento? Did you obviously watch that? Uh, yeah, I did. I watched a bit of it. Um, I reckon I said to you on this podcast a few weeks ago that Golden State would get it done after being sipping two down. Yeah, and I, and I doubted Steph for a second, I, and I'm sorry. I'm not that Steph will ever listen to the ads and dunks podcast but if he does <laughs> i'm sorry steph he might <laughs> i hope he does but um i doubted him the only reason i did is because they had the worst one of the worst records away all season long and they went zero and two in the first two games in sacramento so my thought was if they go zero and two and they got the worst record how can you see them losing so sorry winning so yeah sorry golden state um and now come this series lebron v obviously curry and and steph Sorry, and Golden State versus the Lakers. I actually genuinely think Golden State are going to win quite comfortably. My prediction is either 4 1, 4 2. You think Golden State? I do, yeah. It's a totally different matchup, totally different style. Sacramento, fast tempo, you know, even right up to the very end, Sacramento were trying to score. Like, if they literally play six to eight second offense. They get the ball and try and score straight away, where the Lakers are a little bit different. They try and hurt you know, yeah. defensively and then, and then obviously go the other end. So, yeah, I personally think Golden State win, but at the moment, everything I'm saying, the opposite happens. So, yeah, just, uh, I was gonna, I'm going to say the, I'm going to say the opposite. <laughs> I'm going to say the opposite. I think Lakers will win easily. I feel, I feel like LeBron's right. going to come me out. Why? And just, well, I just like their offense, the way they match up against them. Like, who's going to go to LeBron? Who's going to go to AD? Like, they're just oh, well, a, if, it's a different look. If we've got if we've got another forty minutes of the podcast, I can tell you, but um. On my thoughts, but I feel like they match up better against the Lakers. I feel like the small ball lineup that Golden State bring is going to worry the Lakers big time. And uh, it'd be fair to say that Alex, so the Sacramento series, they tried to go big with Alex Len, Demontis Sabonis, and it didn't work. So if the Lakers try and go big, I don't know, might not, it might work, might not work, but history shows that, especially this, you know, the way Golden State have played this in the last couple of years, big lineups don't necessarily work. For for the Lakers to win, AD has to play out of his skin. The way he has been playing, he's been playing really well on both ends of the floor. I agree, and I think he's going to do that. I feel like the Lakers are going to beat Golden State. Mm. Just, well, just I don't know. I've just got this weird feeling. I feel like LeBron's back, and you know, playing playoffs, and he's going to. And then, yeah, I don't know how far they go, but I just feel like he's going to get the job done over Steph and send him on his way. Well, it's funny you mentioned we mentioned LeBron because I know a few weeks ago 
a while ago when this regular season one was saying how the only the only how that they'll win with AD obviously, but is is if he you know buys into the defense and plays the way we know mm. he can. And you watch the last couple of games of that series, well, the games that they won. He was yeah, he was unbelievable on both ends of the floor, which just shows it's a mindset thing. When he wants to do it, oh, he can do it. Yeah, he can do it. It's almost like the Jimmy but- Jimmy Butler factor. Yeah, <laughs> Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy Butler or our. Uh, the great man Tommy Sheridan, who obviously who is our producer on this, has called him Himmy Butler, which I love. <laughs> Jimmy or Himmy Butler. He played some uh, good basketball. It's funny because remember last week I mentioned to you um, the NBA did that anonymous poll on the most overrated players and they had yep. Trey Young number one. And I think they had Julius Randle two and Jimmy Butler number three and then he comes out and oh. – yeah, I mean, it's a good. question for you, question for you because – He's obviously a postseason player, more so than a regular season player, and he and he always has been. He's always been better in the postseason. Your own personal career, would you rather, you know, be the superstar or one of the superstars in the regular season and be okay in the playoffs, not really, not really, you know, recognize or not really win, or the flip side, get through the regular season, play a role, be okay, but then come playoff time. Be just be the man. Be the most valuable player and be the absolute man. Well, if you can flick the switch like Hemi Butler, then I feel like that you'd probably choose that because it's like everyone's everyone's watching the playoffs. Like the regular season, you know, you might get the keen uh, NBA fans watching it all the time, but I feel like this is the time when all the eyes are on the game and to be dominating and everyone talking about him. Well, I feel like you. Do that way. What about you? Oh, I, I agree with that. I definitely want. I definitely want Jimmy Butler. I mean, you'd be happy to to laugh at the people, you know, because throughout the regular season, it's not. It almost it's like times it looks like he doesn't even care, or not even trying, like doesn't really care. But to me, it's almost mm. like he doesn't care about what he's doing individually, like scoring or whatever it may be. Where come the regular season, he literally does whatever he needs. If he needs to go out and drop forty, he will which is clearly what he did against yeah. the number one seed. And um, they've obviously won their first game against New York, which is in New York as well. So, yeah. I feel like they're going to get that done. Mm, I hope they do because I'm a big fan of Jimmy Butler. He's one of my favorite players in the league. I love the way he goes about it. So, it's an interesting uh, series, that one. At the end of the game, Ja Morant was seen smiling with AD and he's obviously just lost a series in the number two seed. Do you yeah. like – what do you think of that? Oh, I feel like you look into it like we all look into it too much. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I yeah. He, mate, he could have been laughing about Dylan Brooks, like how much of a clown <laughs> he looked getting into LeBron. They're like, you That's don't know what true. he's laughing about. You don't know what yeah, he's laughing true. about. Yeah, like, true. AD could have walked over and been like, how's your, your man, Dylan Brooks? And <laughs> Jar could have just been like, you know, what a clown. Well, well, Dylan Brooks might not even be there. Do you reckon he gets traded? Because there was talks of him getting oh. traded earlier on throughout the year. I hope so. <laughs> he doesn't deserve well, to be playing in such a good team. <laughs> well, you know, if you come out and you challenge, you know, one of the two greatest players of all time in LeBron James, you have to be able to back it up. So I feel like he kind of shot himself in the foot. Big time. He, he could have <laughs> just cost himself a career. Like you just don't know. You don't know. Ah, uh, well, whatever you do to G up, 
What about the uh, the Nuggets and the Sun series? Obviously, game two was today. Um, it yep. surprised me a little bit. I'm a little bit disappointed because if I had a team that I'm supporting, not that I support the Suns because I'm actually not a big fan of him. I just KD is my favorite player and mm. I want him to win. A little bit surprised. I thought they might have pinched one away from home. Um, I feel like they haven't clicked or maybe I'm just underestimating how good Denver are playing and Jamal Murray's back to his uh, bubble play. What's your thoughts on that series? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I I personally thought that the Nuggets were going to get it done easily. Like after watching that first game, I was just blown away by their their play, like their team play. They've just spread all over the court. You know, they've got good bench players. They've got obviously not the big names that the Phoenix Suns have, but mm. I just feel like you know they all complement each other, and they're just now that first game was pretty impressive, and then to watch the second game was you know obviously a bit more of a defensive game, but I feel like the Suns are up against the wall here. Yeah, no, I, I agree that I feel like you're spot on with what you're saying in terms of team play. If it, it's clear like from these first two games is that the Suns are a team that's kind of been put together. Not that you know, Chris Paul, Booker and Aiton have played together, obviously, mm. historically, and they've played in the final series. But with KD, you don't just add a superstar in and, and expect him to be, you know, like a role player or whatever it may be and a couple others where Denver's core have been there for, I think, a lot longer than what – um phoenix has so yeah you're spot on i mean i am a little bit worried i hope that i hope the phoenix can um win the next couple of games and make an interesting series but um it's an interesting one what about cp3 went down with the groin did you see that i seen that you know what it's disappointing because you, you obviously can't help body your body but it's a couple of times now where he's hurt himself and in like big big playoffs and mm. you know he's had to miss and it's hurt the team do you remember when he was at houston and they were playing golden state in that game six, which if they won, they um, obviously win the series. He did his hammy, and then obviously they ended up losing. So it's a, it's an interesting one. But um, the other series, obviously, which is the Philly Philly Boston series, no Joel Embiid today. Jo- James Harden vintage performance goes off for forty five, hit the game winner. Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. I I didn't see much of it because we had training, but yeah, I just I heard about it the whole time and. Mate, vintage, like you said, just incredible. And the step back to finish it off was just sick. It was so cool. Which he's been doing a little bit this more this year. I mean, he was more of a facilitator because we've seen him be the league-leading scorer in, on multiple occasions, so it's good to see. But makes me, um, you know, makes me wonder, I've got a question for you, which would be the last NBA question, unless you've got one. But the MVP, I think, gets announced tomorrow. So yeah. the second, I think it gets announced over in the States where obviously we're the third. Um, Joel Embiid didn't play today, but mm-hmm. James Harden goes and obviously they win the series, uh, win the game, beat Boston, who probably the one of the informed teams comp versus Nikola Jokic. You take him out of Denver Nuggets, they probably don't win. <laughs> do you think, do you think like there is a prime example of, you know, Nikola Jokic being the MVP or do you reckon I'm just an idiot and has nothing to do with it? What do you think? Who do you think the MVP is going to go to? I think it's clear as day. You Like you just said, you just touched on the impact and, you know, if you talk about most valuable player, like I always think about MVP is most valuable player, valuable player. and it's got to be Nikola Jokic, surely. See, look, I agree with that. I feel like without discrediting Embiid, he's, Embiid has had an historical season, but... um. I feel like I feel like it's going to be voter fatigue 
So the same people are going to be sick of voting for Nicole Jokic because he's a two-time MVP. You know, it happened to Kobe Bryant. It happened to Jordan. Not that Kobe only won once, but people didn't want to see him win. It happened to LeBron. I feel like mm. they're going to give it to Joel Embiid and not and not Nicole Jokic purely for that reason. Let's hope not because I feel like mm. Nicole Jokic is the MVP of the league for sure, hands down. Yeah, well, by this time next week, we'll be able to talk about it. So it's, uh, it's going to be another good week of um, basketball. It will be. Um, well, moving on, mate, we've actually got a huge announcement. We're going to give away some signed boots. So uh, I'll read out a little bit of what we're going to do here. So we're giving away signed boots from both of us. How you win is you've got to head to our YouTube channel and let us know what you love about our podcast by simply commenting on this episode. Uh, and we actually we wanted to let everyone know we do read these comments, so make sure you share with us and you know continue sending us DMs on Instagram because we get all the feedback and we love it from our loyal supporters. Um, but help to help identify what pair of boots you simply want, uh, finish your comment with either a dog emoji or a lion emoji at the end of it, and then uh, obviously the lion means it's my sign boots. If it's a dog, it's Adzi sign boots. Um, the winner will be announced on next week's podcast. And please note, you can only enter once. So we're going to choose one of those people. Um, hopefully, we get a lot of comments, which would be nice. But we're looking forward to obviously picking out of the hat uh, a couple of these people because, yeah, hopefully we can – well, one first and, uh, and then we might do it again later in the, in, the, uh, in the year. So it's pretty exciting to give away some of our boots, isn't it, mate? Yeah, well, as, as, I, as you said, it's the first time we've done this on, on any forms of our um, – podcast and something that we've wanted to do for, for quite a bit now so um going forward it's going to be obviously something that we want to introduce quite a bit into our into our potties and um i guess reward some of the fans out there that listen to us weekly and um don't get sick of hearing our voices um so um it is exciting what boots do you wear by the way so so the people was, out there i was gonna say we we wear the go. same boots don't we we do we do and what are they because you the, know everything the- to detail yeah, so they're Nike Tiempos. Obviously, the the new color is. I don't have a pair on me here, but they're like the the white with the sort of light kind of gray blue color with a fluoro outline of the tick. They're actually a beautiful boot. Probably one of my personal mm-hmm. faves, to be honest. So uh, yeah, you'll yeah, be giving away too. the I same pair. One. I love that one, and I love last year's model. I think it's last year's the pink ones. I actually really really like. They're two of my favorite. Favorite uh, um, tempos. What about? I know I'm putting you on the spot here with tempos because I know you've obviously worn them a bit. What is your favorite Nike tempo that you've worn throughout your whole career? Because I know which one my favorite is in terms of looks, not how it feels. In yeah. terms of looks, yeah. So all time would be the the all white with the silver tick. So that's your favorite. See, that, that was right that's up there for favorite. mine. My favorite is the all white with the like the fluoro green tick. They yeah, were so real old I, school. Um, Yes, they're real. They're from one of my one of my first seasons, I reckon. I wasn't wearing Nike back then. I was wearing Asics, but um, yeah, they're uh, they're one of my favorite boots that I love rocking. But um, it is exciting boots that we get to give away. Yes, for sure. But so what we'll uh, individually be screenshotting our favorite comment. So we've got to do that, and we'll post it. We normally do it on uh, Instagram, but we want everyone to go and watch the YouTube channel and comment on there. So looking forward to uh, to doing that and. Uh, winners will be announced next week on our podcast. So let's uh, let's get into it, eh? Beautiful. Can't wait. Um, is there anything else you'd like to uh, end on before we finish this potty? No, I don't think so, mate. I think we've got it all sorted. Looking forward to 
the weekend and uh, a couple of big games coming up for the both of us. So uh, bring it on, eh? And I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing you on Thursday when you're down here in Melbourne before oh, I go. True. But no, true. thanks everyone for listening to another episode of the Ads and Dunks podcast brought to you exclusively by the Oz American Aces. If you haven't done this already, please subscribe to all of the Oz American Aces channels. Follow all social media accounts, um, wherever you can find us on YouTube, whatever it may be. Just go to the Ads and Dunks podcast. Um, thank you so much, guys, for listening. We know that um, we just mentioned uh, the boots, but we know we've got some loyal fans who like um, sending in messages as much as they can and supporting us. It's something that Dunks and I love doing and, um, you know, we love uh, being ourselves and, and giving our content out there. So make sure you remember, don't forget to comment on your YouTube, um, win a signed pair of boots from myself or Dunks. Comment that Bulldogs emoji or the dog emoji or comment the lion emoji, depending on which pair of boots you want from which person. But um, once again, thank you for listening to us and we'll see you next week. Well done, Joshy. Thanks, mate.